the way that I've found the most success is by injecting ideas that they're passionate about. And so it can be difficult because you, if you've got a team of 50 different people, it's going to be tough to find the one thing that's going to ignite everybody and bring them together. The first thing I would say that differentiates companies uh, in my mind are well, whether they're empowering their technologists to, to develop new ideas or whether they're uh, stagnant and stuck in their ways. Welcome back to the Change Agent Podcast. My name is Nathan Lesnaski. I'm your host today. We are so glad that we have a great guest this week. We have done so many interesting things on this show. We've talked about the transformation of manufacturing. We've talked about how people are engaging in changing the way they think about tech and data. We're talking about machine learning. We've talked about ideas around bringing products to market. And today is going to be no different. On the Change Agent Podcast, we're talking about people who are transforming the customers, markets, clients, people that they're engaging in. And we have a super special guest. is a great colleague of mine, Brian Hayden. Brian is a solutions architect at Concurrency. He has been engaged in over 50 different customers over the course of his career. And we're going to talk a little bit about consultant stories today. Things that you may want to know that your consultants know about you and can provide you with some great advice as to how to avoid maybe missteps, things that we've seen, things that companies can do better. If only we could have the opportunity to tell them, and today we do. So welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for stealing my thunder. I had a whole story planned here about how I was going to lead into the 50 customers. Okay, well, tell, tell us a little bit more about you. What is that? Who is Brian Hayden? Sure. You know, uh, so a theme that you're probably going to hear today is that I have a lot of intellectual curiosity. So even when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in college, you know, I started out as a chemistry major, didn't really like it. I had a great teacher in high school, but once I got to the college, I was like, yeah, this is kind of boring. Um, switch, switched my major again to uh, physics, didn't really like that. And, you know, <laughs> after a year, I was like, ah, well, what about this math stuff? So I actually pursued math uh, as my, my major. And then right before I, I got done with my math degree, uh, I took a computer Fortran course and was like, oh, this is way cooler. I'm going to do this. So quit that program and went into the engineering program. And that's how I got into um, comp sci and, and programming in general. Um, so as I started to develop my career, first thing you do is you, know, you get an internship, you go work for some industry companies. And, you know, I had this one to two year kind of rotation before I'd get bored at a company and kind of move on. You sort of do the things that they hired you to do and, you know, you look for something new. And uh, I got challenged during one of, uh, one of my interviews with, a, with uh, another industry company. And she asked me point blank, looks like you only stay at a company for two years at a time. What assurances are you going to give me that you're going to stay here for more than two? And I, I told her I can't, you know. So my next job, didn't land that one, uh, was working for a consulting company. And I found out that, you know, there I could really work with, you know, as many companies as I wanted without having to switch jobs. So at the end of the day, I wound up, you know, at current count, that's well over 50, you know, companies that I've worked with. Wow, that's, that's really cool. Um, so when you think about what that's meant as a way of engaging companies like what what like what's special about being a consultant what are the things that when you when you walk in the door and you're a consultant what's different about being a consultant than being a sort of normal employee at that company 
Yeah, so I, I've got a really good story that kind of illustrates that. Um, it was working for a bank uh, here in Milwaukee, and you know, I sat through, uh, they were doing a core migration, so moving from you know, one banking core system to another, it's huge, huge project, you know, two years. And uh, there were elements of the project that just weren't going well. And, you know, you'd have the BA sitting in the room and we actually had this like round table every week. We'd go through like, what's the project status on this one? And uh, she had described a situation where, you know, there was no momentum on what it was that she was working on. They weren't getting anywhere. But she had, you know, stoplight colors, red, yellow, green. And she's like, oh, it's green, you know. And so the CIO turned to me mm -hmm. and he said, you know, Brian, you're a consultant. You've been through this a few times. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, well, it's red, you know. And I mean, you could just hear a pin drop in that room at that point because it was just the realization that, you know, we're not making momentum. We're not, we're not actually changing the needle on this right now. And, you know, an outsider being able to come in and articulate that, you know, bluntly, if you want to think of it that way, mm -hmm. um, is just kind of a refreshing pace for some of these companies. What do you think stops people internal to the company from doing that same thing. I mean, if, like for us coming in as consultants, it's sort of natural, right? You you feel like a certain amount of ability to transcend the politics and the situation of the company and just tell it like it is. What stops someone who's internal to the company from doing the exact same thing that, that you're proposing to do? Well, I don't, as a consultant, I'm not stuck there uh, to deal with the political ramifications yeah, bingo, of, right? right? <laughs> so, you know, success or failure, um, I'm, I'm somebody that can come in and if I fail, I'm gone. I'm, I'm not providing value mm -hmm. to the organization. Uh, people that are at an organization are more invested. They've been there for five, 10, 15 years, 20 years, you know, in a lot of cases. And so they have a lot invested in it and they don't want to be looked at from their peers as having failed at doing something they were hired that, that was their assignment or their job. So I have the ability to just be transparent and honest that they probably don't have without having some ramifications. And that's mm -hmm. a big difference. What do you think the leaders at a company like that, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a leader listening to you say this and being like, man, like I might, I'm either A, I need a consultant to come in and tell me what's really going on, or B, I could maybe encourage my team to have the trust or intellectual openness to be able to have these conversations. Like, how do I pivot my organization to have that kind of thing that doesn't make them be fearful of ramifications or, or impact? We used the precise word, which is trust, right? So does the company have my back if I'm not successful at this project? And in order to foster that, you have to build a culture around that. And, you know, this specific instance that I used, it, there was definitely a lack of trust. Mm -hmm. And so that, that would be, you know, something that I would key in on that. How you do that, I mean, there's many different ways, organizationally, teamwork-wise, and, um, you know, just being able to, to educate them and train them and, uh, you know, so that they understand that they're not going to lose their job or lose face if, uh, if something goes off the rails. But that's an institutional issue, a culture issue. Yeah, I think everyone can remember what, how their boss or someone they reported up to treated them when something went wrong, yeah. when something failed, right? And that kind of sticks with you. And sometimes it's a good experience or a bad experience, and maybe that wound even sometimes is carried with them that prevents them from doing that. Yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point um, that made me think of most times when consultants are brought into an organization, it's at a time of change. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be migrating my tenant from, you know, on-prem to Office 365. I'm going to be doing, you know, some big thing. And I need some consultants to help augment that or some expertise to come in and do it. So, uh, but, you know, 
what also happens within an organization that, that has this dynamic play out as well is you get new leadership. And, you know, in this particular case, I could, I, I would actually point back to that as being, you know, uh, there was a ruffling of the feathers, there was a new leader in place. And so they didn't know if they could trust that individual or not. Interesting. When you come into an organization fresh and you're in a opportunity to be able to help guide them down a journey, what are the kinds of things that you're scoping out? You know, you're, you're taking in a lot, right? You enter in, you're, you're examining what's happening, you're taking in the culture, the perspectives, and so on. Like, what are the things that you're consciously or, or subconsciously looking for that help you to be able to navigate? Well, okay, so helping me to navigate is, because uh, there's two ways I'm gonna answer this question. One is going to be on the personal, uh, the, the personnel level, right? How I navigate uh, the individuals. Um, but then I also want to talk a little bit about technology as well, because as a consultant, I'm being brought in as an advisor as well and on the technology that they're going to be implementing. So from a people perspective, uh, you know, I, I tend to take the attitude of you've hired me to be a part of your team to help you do something great. And so when I walk in the door, I, I leave my concurrency badge behind me mm. and I'm now uh, I'm now a client employee. And so I, I look to build trust within the, the people that I'm working with and just observe, you know, what are the pain points that they're having? Uh, you know, how can I coach these individuals to, you know, be better at their jobs or look at things with a fresh perspective? So, uh, and then the, on top of that, you build credibility by bringing expertise to the table, which in turn builds trust for them as with you as, as a person within the organization. But the other aspect of that is the techn technology aspect of it. Like, how do I, you know, how do I look at this ecosystem and what they're trying to accomplish and bring fresh ideas? So a good example of, of changing a, com a company's uh, technology culture, you know, from within, I was working for a company that does uh, infant and patient wandering management. And they were in the process of redesigning their bands. You know, think of, uh, think of an infant being born and they put the, the bands on their, their um, ankles, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were having a, a really elongated engineering effort trying to get these, these bands and the doors to work correctly under the new technology they were implementing. So I had just gone to a, like a tech talk, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, prior to this, this and had recognized, you know, some of the Internet of Things types of ways of, of being able to solve these problems. So uh, eventually I went to the owner of the company and said, hey, you know, I'm, I've seen these new widgets and gadgets out there. I think that this can provide some value to your organization if you start to look at it. And I got a lot of resistance from it. Like, no, 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 no. We know how we know how the, our engineering stuff works. So, you know, they weren't getting any momentum. And after about two months, he came back to me and said, what would you do? Mm -hmm. I said, well, give me, you know, give me a month. Let me put together something for you and let's see where it goes. So I spent about uh, a month engineering a new door system using essentially what's Raspberry Pi today and was able to put together a demonstration like, look, took me a month, did what you guys are, you know, struggling to do. It's been a year and a half. You guys haven't been able to get this to work. And, uh, and they were impressed, right? They wound up not using my technology, which is fine. That happens. I'm not really worried about it. But what, what they did do is they took those ideas and moved forward with ways uh, to incorporate new devices into their platform using like Raspberry type, Pi type of technology. So it did change them. Yeah, you kind of opened them up to thinking about new ideas and innovating around the, the product they had in market already. Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't exactly the solution that was implemented, but it certainly got them moving down the road. Yeah. So, you know, again, to, to circle back on, on the culture aspect of it, it was, 
in my mind, changing the way that they think about technology and how it can actually solve problems for their business. Interesting. Um, how do you navigate the, the different sort of ponds of resistance that exist? You know, just coming in as a leader, whether this is, I mean, yourself coming in as a consultant, having to navigate that, you get a little bit of an automatic transcendence that you get because you are a consultant. But you also get these little ponds of resistance where maybe someone doesn't talk to you or they avoid you or they try to wall it off from the thing that you're thinking about. You know, how do you, how do you navigate that and help them to become part of the solution versus maybe kind of sitting over on the sidelines? Yeah, so really it's an, it's an engagement issue, right? So when you're dealing with people that have, uh, that I've, I've found have been resistant to some of the changes that I'm trying to, to implement, uh, I want to bring them in to be a part of the solution. More often than not, when they're resistant like that, it's because they don't feel like their ideas are being heard and they have something else they want to bring to the table. And I'm fine coaching them through that, if it, even if it means that giving them an opportunity to be successful or you prove your idea out. Let's work together on this one. Let's flush out the idea. And if it fails, you know, give them you know, the feedback that that's okay. We tried this iteration. Let's go in a different direction. What do you suggest next? But more often than not, when people think that it's their ideas that are coming through, they're, they're not going to be as resistant. So in a lot of ways, I try to make it their, I, I try to make it their ideas so that they're the owner of, of the solution. Interesting. When you're trying to navigate the resistance and push around it or push through it or help them to be able to adopt new ideas, like what do you do when that person is sort of just straight up stuck? Like they're... You've tried the, like, I want to make it your idea, but you're, they're just kind of arguing in complete, con in complete conflict to where everyone else is going. You know, what, what do you do in that situation? Well, so let's assume that this isn't the CIO that's being, you know, uh, resistant this way. Because yeah, let's hope. That would because, be right, because then this, <laughs> my solution is not going to work, right? <laughs> but uh, at some point in time, you know, I, I have to give tough love to the organization I'm working with, right? Mm -hmm. And having a difficult conversation with, um, management executives in, in, you know, articulating what my concerns are is, would be the next step, mm -hmm. right? So let's, let's work together as a management team to figure out how we can coach this individual past their fears and resistance really. Yeah. It might and, go back to a culture thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's happened quite a bit. I mean, you know, having worked with 50 companies, you know, one of the, the interesting pieces of feedback that I get often is, I hired you because you failed so many times, right? Huh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've got a lot of battle scars. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes <clears> in my time. Um, but that, you know, I can relate to the situations that these companies are going through and develop a, a level of trust, you know, with the executives at the company. And they're off, often asking me, you know, what do you think of this individual? What do you think of that individual? How's this team running compared to other teams in the industry? And uh, being able to give that feedback, you know, uh, transparently, you know, to executives is, uh, is something that they can't get from an internal employee that doesn't have the breadth of experience that a consultant might have. So if you had to take your experience as a consultant across 50 some plus companies, and you had to throw all those companies' names up on a board and start to categorize them around things that are great about them and things that aren't so great about them. Maybe even check boxes. Like they, they have uh, really great offices. This one has great offices. This one doesn't have so great offices. This one has great lunch. This one doesn't have great lunch. This one has a great culture. This one doesn't have great culture. Like when you think about like the core things that make them innovative, attractive, interesting workplaces that are doing things that are really changing their mission and delivering on their mission. Like, 
how do you how how do you delineate between those companies as you look at them as a consultant? Yeah, I so a, a the first thing I would say that differentiates companies uh, in my mind are whether they're empowering their technologists to to develop new ideas or whether they're uh, stagnant and stuck in their ways. Mm. So the most successful companies have have found a way to allow a certain amount of freedom within, you know, their pods, you know, if you will, to to come up with new ideas and experiment with those ideas and to fail with those ideas. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what consulting is about. You know, we come in with fresh new ideas and most of the time it works, you know, because I've done it 50, you know, with 50 different companies or so. Uh, but sometimes it doesn't work and you get on your face and you have to, you have to go back to the drawing board and start over. So uh, empowering the employees, I think is, is, a, is one way that I would delineate between companies that are successful and not. Interesting. Yeah, almost the sense that they think about their mission as the mission, but having a fluid nature of how it's delivered and that it can continue to evolve over time. That like the way we deliver on our mission today might still be the mission, but we're gonna be able to pivot on that and maybe add technology into the mix or change the way we interact with people or maybe even pivot exactly who our customer is to add more value to them. Absolutely. And, you know, you bring up a good point in terms of, you know, the customers. I mean, sometimes they're not even a good fit for us if they're not ready to take that step of faith with us. So, uh, you know, that that's um, that's an important that's an important thing for us to recognize uh, when we go to choose to work for a company or whether, we're, you know, we choose to engage with a, with a client. You know, that's a really huge point. I mean, when we think about the difference in companies, there's a pretty clear perspective we have on whether or not they're a company that looks at vendors as big V vendor or big or little V vendor, or they are looking at their partners as someone that works with them to be able to innovate and drive solutions. And there's a big differentiation between those types of, those types of relationships. I mean, maybe you could expand on that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we, we do get into situations where people aren't looking for a partner. They're just looking for people to take an order. And, you know, me in this position that I have at the organization is great because I get to qualify that. Mm -hmm. And if, if our prospective clients or even our existing clients aren't willing to, you know, push the boundaries on, on technology and innovation, they're probably not going to be a good fit for, for us in the long run. Uh, you know, I, I talk to, to my team, you know, a lot about, you know, the difference between bringing innovative solutions and bring commoditized solutions to, to market. And well, we can do a really good job at commodity type of work. Uh, that's not what that, that that isn't going to be our value proposition to an organization. And so really, it's it's how can we push the envelope for them? Interesting. What will a company that you're talking with tell you that they won't tell their boss? An existing company or like an existing client no, or, no, or any a prospective company, client? Any company. Like, like you're, you're brought in <laughs> as a consultant, any one of these 50 companies, right? What will they tell you that they won't, they won't tell your boss? I'll give you an example. Like I was in, I was talking with, a, this is years ago, but I was talking with a company that I was interacting with some of their, this is the first call ever talking to them. And I had a bunch of their engineers and architects on this call and they were actively throwing their CIO under the bus 
to a vet, to a, to a partner they've never even talked to before. In front of the CIO? No, no, he wasn't there. Okay, he wasn't good. on the call. But all these people that report to the CIO, they're actively throwing him under the bus. They're like, I, we, that's a really great idea, but we'll never convince him. And he doesn't know how to convey this to the board. I'm like, wow, that's really fascinating that you're telling me this. And it's interesting how, you know, sometimes people reach a spot of safety or maybe even just a release valve really quickly about a situation that they're dealing with internally that they need to kind of get off their chest or they need to, they want to tell someone that because they're seeking help, right? They're looking, it ended up that we were able to then take that and really help them get on track. But at the time it was like, they're like waving the white flag, like either stay away or help us, but we don't want to stay where we're at. Like, what's that been like for you? Oh, I mean, the closet door opens, you know, pretty much really early in a relationship with our clients in terms of the skeletons just compiling out, you know. And uh, I've had a lot of situations like that where, you, you know, so in, in our area of the business and in, in the app dev side, you know, we're, we're, we're interacting with product teams a lot. And product teams and IT teams don't always mesh really well together. And, you know, there's a sense of ownership from IT that, you know, hey, I've got this governance I have to take care of. You can't just be building out apps on your own. But the product team says, yeah, I don't, I, you take too long to approve stuff, so I'm not going to deal with it. Um, so just from that perspective, I mean, I get, I, I get a lot of skeletons coming out of the closet. But, you, you know, my level of engagement with our clients is typically at the executive level. Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm talking to the C-suite, you know, when when we're, we're proposing projects that we're gonna do. And so they're, they're absolutely candid about, uh, about the kind of resistance that you should expect. And I need to have that information before I'm gonna engage with a client. If they can't be transparent with me and I get there and find out that these three departments don't want me there and are gonna be resistance, resistant, um, I, I, I'm already set up for failure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's situations where if you get what you put into it, right? Absolutely. And being transparent about what you need early on. And this, this goes really for not just consultants, but anyone in an organization is, is understanding whether you're set up in a position where you can be successful. And if you're not set up in that position, being able to make changes to the position you're in so you can be in a position of success. Otherwise, you're just living a life that's sort of based on a lie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we could circle this back to, to what you mentioned before. But, uh, you know, if, if you, you can't have a level of trust with the organization, um, you know, and, and elicit that level of trust, you know, during the initial conversations, you're never going to get it later on. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the best ways to help accelerate an organization that's become stagnant? You know, one where, you know, we run into a fair number of organizations where, you know, they, they, the people kind of come to work every day, they do their job, they go home, they're not really excited about what they do, maybe they're not even excited about the mission of the company, but they just come to, 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 to work every day just doing it. Like, what are the secrets or differentiations you've seen between companies of how you ignite that again? Like, how do you get it back? The goal is always to, to get that out of the people that are there. And the way that I've found the most success is by injecting ideas that they're passionate about. And so it can be difficult because you, if you've got a team of 50 different people, it's going to be tough to find the one thing that's going to ignite everybody and bring them together. But, you know, for most individuals, they're looking for things that are going to make their lives easier and allow them to have more opportunity to do things that are cool, play with the cool toys. So what I found to be effective is to bring some of the cool toys and challenge them to bring something else to it, right? Uh, when we bring our interns in, you know, here at, at Concurrency, you know, I often give them a project that they want to do. 
you know, here's my project. I'm, I'm asking you to build this kegerator, mm-hmm. you know, or to, to make this enhancement to this thing, but I want you to pick something that's meaningful to you. We had one of our interns that built a uh, Raspberry Pi uh, device that could monitor their chicken coop at home because they were sick and tired of going out and, you know, watering the chickens all the time. So, but I made it them, right? It made it about them and it wasn't about, you know, my solutions or my ideas. Interesting. Um, so uh, you mentioned that you engage a lot with leadership, right? Um, I think one of the things we sometimes see with with IT leadership in particular is that they can sometimes feel isolated from the rest of the business and its mission. They can feel like, oh, you're just that thing over there that takes care of the PCs and the, and the servers and stuff, and I don't really have to care about that. It's not core to my business. You know, what have you done to coach a leader to become more relevant to the business? How do they manage up to transform or manage or engage the business? Yeah, so I, I did go through this with uh, with a client of ours recently, and you know, they were looking to develop a, an offshore practice, and you know, their their ideas, their their perspective of how they would be successful was uh, vastly different than reality. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of their cost expectations and and you know the types of talent that they could expect. Uh, to get at that value proposition. So, you know, we sat down and talked about a strategy, you know, how he could be successful at building a team out like that. And that allowed him to bring in some, some thought leaders, some architects that were, that would be able to drive those teams the way that he needed them to be, uh, which then elevated him within the organization, you know, made him more successful by making his teams more successful. I'm able to, to show that he can bring value to the organization as well. And, you know, ultimately it worked. Oh, that, those are great. I have, I have two stories. Um, so one is I, there was this company that I would go to and I was doing, I don't know, some work with, I think it was System Center or something. But, um, and it was a time when I was just doing engineering where I kind of sit down and do something to get it done as a project. And every lunch period, they would play like land party games amongst this whole group. And there was probably 30 different IT people, but every lunch period they'd go and start playing LAN party games. And I wasn't really into doing that because I was just trying to get my job done. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the weirdest work environment ever. Like, I, I kind of respect that you guys are doing this and it's fun and cool and stuff, but I'm like, I'm just trying to get a project done. Like, this is kind of interesting. And then of course this, this leader, he's flying around this drone within the building as we're doing this. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, what a crazy culture. Um, but he, you know, on the flip side, he really got a lot of people following him as a, as a group. They wanted to work there. And I guess they wanted to work there for a lot of reasons, but like they wanted to be there and he created a really interesting culture. Um, the, the second one, and this is really crazy is, um, I was working in a company for many, for, for like, I was going there like every day for probably six months and we were doing this big project. And this guy who checked me in uh, at the, the, you know, you bring in your badge and he like looks at your badge or you, you know, beep in or whatever. Um, and, you know, he also was responsible for getting the badge and stuff. Well, anyway, this guy turned out to be a serial killer. Like and a real serial like killer? Like a real serial killer. Like he had a dead body in, like you said dead body, skeletons in the closet. This guy had a literal dead body in the back of his car out in the parking lot of the building I was working in. Seemingly normal guy, ultimately was arrested as a serial killer. (laughs) So we had this nickname 
for him post haste after this happened. We're like, this just happened to us. Like, there was a serial killer that checked us in. We knew this guy. I talked to him, and I'm still alive. So thank. So, you know, as, as a consulting story, that's one that uh, that I think is like really positive that I'm not dead at the moment, and that uh, I continue to do what I'm doing. Yeah, I uh, I I feel embarrassed that I haven't had as good of a story as you. <laughs> <laughs> that that is pretty crazy. All right, all right. So more on the serious side. So uh, our our last question, Brian. Um, one of the things we love to ask, and I, I'd love to hear from you, is you know, you've been at 50 customers plus, you've influenced all sorts of different, really innovative directions for companies, you've helped them to navigate their, their uh, roles and organizations and projects and what they should do or shouldn't do. Who's influenced you? Like, who's influenced you to be the kind of person that you are that can effectively challenge a company in an emotionally, uh, intelligent way in a way that allows you to be able to do so in a way that, 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 that gives you the confidence to do it well. Like who's, who's influenced you? Yeah. So, uh, that's a great, that really is a great, great question. So he's going to know who, who he is, uh, probably by the way I describe this, but I had a, I had a boss that I worked for and, uh, he, he really empowered me to make change happen at our, at our clients. And, you know, one of the, the great things about him was up until the point where he took over uh, for the organization, for me, at least I was reporting to him, um, I hadn't gotten a raise in maybe two or three years. I'd been promised some, you know, but it just, you know, the organization never really did. And then when he got there, uh, he, I just never asked for it. He just kept, hey, Brian, by the way, I just gave you another bump, you know, here, you know without, without even asking for it. And it wasn't like it was every year. It was like, you know, I'd get a raise in October and then in November he'd be like, hey, I'm giving you another raise. And, uh, you know, it kind of just really met, made me feel appreciated, you know, and, you know, I responded by just doing better work for him, right? And uh, today we're, we're still really good friends. Don't work for him anymore, um, but, uh, but he's just a great guy. Awesome. He's making you feel appreciated by thinking about it proactively versus like right. the sort of reactive, like, you bring going to him and demanding something. Right, absolutely. I mean, it was a reward for me uh, doing good work for him, but it was his enablement. I mean, the reward is great, right? I mean, getting getting recognized for that is, is awesome, but it was him empowering me to be my best, you know, and, uh, and always having my back if things went sour. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for this having is, me. This is awesome. I love, love talking about this. I, I love the ideas that you're bringing to the table and the way that, you know, you're, you're talking about how companies can be transformative and what you need to do to be an effective leader, especially as a consultant. So thank you so much for sharing your stories today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, we will see you next time on the Change Agent Podcast.